Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Well, as the world is on fire right now, and we might be looking at World War III potentially breaking out, we need to turn back and look at World War I for a moment. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I'll give you all the latest updates on everything that's going on uh, with Israel, but I also want to welcome a Philadelphia guy to the show right now. His name is Doug Brunt. Doug is a Philly native, and uh, hey, it's great to have you on the show, Doug. Thank you. Rich, thanks for having me here. This is great. Yeah, you got it, man. Uh, the mysor- mysterious case of Rudolf Diesel, genius power and deception on the eve of World War One. I. I, you know, I've been reading this, and a lot of people don't understand the, the 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 powerful forces involved in all this, but I mean, you got questions. I mean, like, did, for example, was he whacked by the Rockefeller family? That's the first question. So, <laughs> before we get to that, tell us who is Rudolf Diesel and why should we care? Rudolf Diesel invented the diesel engine, and like many of your listeners, seven eight years ago, I didn't know there was a Rudolf Diesel. That, that even existed. I, I walk around, like everyone else, misspelling the word diesel with a lowercase d half the time. It should be an uppercase d, named after this guy. He was a German, and in sept- on September, ni- September 29th, 1913, he's traveling from Belgium to Great Britain on an overnight passenger ferry, and he disappears in the middle of the night. And in the morning, they hold the ship at sea. He doesn't show up for breakfast or search the ship for him. All they find are his hat and his coat neatly folded at the stern of the ship right by the rail, seeming to mark where he jumped over. So the weird thing about it is, we don't, as we don't know his name today, in 1913, just on the eve of World War I, he was a huge celebrity. To put it in today's terms, it would be like Elon Musk disappearing. You know, imagine if Elon Musk hopped on a plane and then just disappeared and the world went crazy. That's what it was like then. And the newspaper headlines, as you say, there, there were two theories of murder. The main theory was he was suicide, but two theories of murder. One was that he was murdered by agents of big oil and the Rockefellers. And the other theory was that he was murdered by Kaiser Wilhelm II, the emperor of Germany. And so the book explores the motives these two men had and and kind of solves the mystery. 
All right, you solved the mystery, which is great. And obviously, we won't give it away. And, and your writing style is terrific, by the way, because I mean, this is this is it, 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 it reads like a thriller, even though it's it's a historical nonfiction book. But let's think about where we were at this time. So we're about to start. It's right on the eve of World War One. The diesel engine changes everything, right? I mean, you cannot understate that the diesel engine changes everything, especially as the world is looking towards war. Yeah, I, I, you know, I always thought it was like a fuel, but it's a totally different engine, a fundamentally different engine. It doesn't use a spark to ignite. It, it's a compression engine. Uh, like it, I came across this when I bought a boat about eight years ago, and the guy was like, yeah, you should repower this boat with diesels. And I was saying, well, why? And he said, well, 100% of boat fires come from gasoline engines, zero from diesel. The fuel is totally stable. There are no fumes. And you get four times the efficiency, but four times as far on it. By 1913, the diesel engine had emerged as the only engine that could power a submarine or a U-boat. And this is at a time, as you know, from World War One or any history buff knows, it was a time of extreme militarism, extreme nationalism. The Anglo-German naval arms race was at its peak. And, you know, the whole world is sort of like bubbling over ready for this world war. And so the navies of every major power in Europe were scrambling for diesel expertise to build their submarine fleets, especially the Germans and the British. And so diesel was in in high demand because it was still a relatively new engine and only Rudolf Diesel and a handful of others really had the knowledge to, to make a diesel engine work for the really difficult requirements of undersea travel. When you talk about the various conspiracy theories about what happened to him, obviously, the, if the diesel engine had been the engine that everybody used, then big oil would, would have suffered. I mean, that's really where one of the leading conspiracy theories comes from with all this, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the irony is today, diesel engines run primarily on petrodiesel. It is a, it is a form of crude oil or petroleum distilled to make diesel fuel. But that's not what he wanted back in 1913. He actually did a trip through America in 1912, and he was advocating that he could break the American fuel monopolies, and he didn't need a law to do it. He could do it through his technology because his engine had won the 1900 Paris World's Fair, a diesel engine running peanut oil. And he was saying, if you have farmers, you can grow your own fuel. It runs on vegetable oil or peanut oil. It could also run on coal tar. If you do the coking process to coal, you get coke, coal gas, and coal tar, which is like a black sludge that comes from coal. It could run on any of those fuels. And so he was saying, we don't need to be run around and have wars over, you know, places in the world that have oil in the ground. So that was an existential threat for Rockefeller and the oil trust, because, you know, having a combustion engine that could run on vegetable oil was was uh, not at all in their interest. And so that's why newspapers were making the leap at that time in 1913 that Rockefeller and the oil trust might have been responsible for his murder. You, you would have had a lot of very rich farmers, theoretically. I mean, peanut farmers would, would have... <laughs> I, I mean, truly, but but you, as you point out in the book, I mean, Rockefeller was going to do anything, any threat to Standard Oil was going to be met with force. That he did not play nice. That is for sure. He didn't there's play a, nice. There's an example, there's an example in the book that... Uh, the, the Ludlow Massacre was about a, a mine in Ludlow, Colorado, and they went on strike. They wanted the eight-hour workday and other sort of worker benefits that we you know, mainly enjoy today, but not at that time. And the response to the strike was he hired the Baldwin Felt Detective Agency. He hired these agencies. The Pinkertons were the best example of this, which Standard Oil also at times hired. 
But these detective, quote-unquote, detective agencies often acted as the paramilitary wing of big business, whether it was the oil trust or tobacco, sugar, steel, uh, you know, in order to deal with labor relations and these kinds of disputes and strikes, they would bring these detectives in that were armed to the teeth. And so you'd have these strikers out there, and often these things led to dust-ups with, you know, fi- with uh, shots fired back and forth. And in the Ludlow Massacre, about 30 strikers and their families were killed with gunfire and arson. That's, am- that, that's amazing. All right, so the book is called, by the way, The Mysterious Case of Rudolph Diesel, Genius, Power, and Deception on the Eve of World War One. The author's with me right now, Douglas Brunt. He's going to be tomorrow for an in-person conversation. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and this is going to be moderated with, and I hope I'm saying this name correctly, uh, Gerhard Reich. Yes, he is a great guy. And the reason why this will be such a great interview is he helped me a lot on the book. We're going to do the event at the Haverford School in Haverford on, on Lancaster Avenue. And Gerhard is, uh, as the name might suggest, is German. And I trans—I had to get a ton, of, you know, reams of material translated from German to English. I found out of these archives, Rudolf Diesel's old diaries from his trips to America, one in 1904, one in 1912, his letters to his wife, which are, you know, for someone who's an engineer and invented the engine, like incredibly romantic and poetic. I mean, he really was like a it was like a French poet or something. It was, it was amazing. But Gerhard translated all this stuff from German to English for me. And he and I had many conversations as I was going through the research and the writing of the book. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to him about it. All right. So you, you, we talked about the there's several conspiracy theories about how this guy just disappears in the middle of the night, in the middle of the ocean. And, and, and just to be clear, the, the ship that he was on, that didn't disappear. Just he disappeared, right? That's right. It's a passenger ferry going from Belgium to Great Britain. And in part, you know, what, what also leads to some of the theories, in particular about Kaiser Wilhelm and the Germans, the reason he was making this trip from Belgium to Great Britain was that he was going to the opening ceremonies of a new diesel engine manufacturing company in Great Britain, whose mandate it was to build submarine diesels for Great Britain's royal fleet. And Diesel, Rudolf Diesel, was a co-founder and board director of this new British company. So you can imagine the Kaiser was not too pleased with that uh, as, as he's in the heat of this arms race with Great Britain. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that passenger ferry called the Dresden uh, did not sink, but they held it at sea in the morning and looked for him and, and couldn't find him. So he probably was wearing concrete shoes or cement shoes, as they say uh, in the movies. <laughs> What are the implications of his disappearance? What happens after that? And are there effects on the international front when he just goes missing? I mean, you said at the time, be like if Elon Musk went missing. So, you know, you think about Elon Musk and, and Ukraine and Starlink and things like that. W- were there ramifications around, you say, there's this, this massive arms race that's going on at the time between Europe, the United States, other countries. So what happens? Well, you know, in the immediate weeks after his disappearance, there's newspaper coverage all over going going nuts on the story. It's the headline of the New York Times, of all the papers in Western Europe, of the papers in Russia. They're following the story. There's conflicting witness testimony about whether Diesel was on the ship and what happened. And about 11 days after the disappearance, a corpse is found floating uh, in the, along the coast of Western Europe not far from, you know, where the ship had passed by. And it's kind of sketchy what happens there. Uh, they, this ship, a pilot steamer, 
called the Kurtzen, a Dutch steamer that's sort of meant to patrol post, uh, coastal areas, finds this corpse floating in the water. It's dressed in sort of nice clothes, but the corpse is really badly decayed. So they pull it alongside, and they rifle through the pockets, and they find four items out of the pockets. And then they say the weather is really rough, so they just push the corpse back into the waves, and, it, and then it disappears forever. But they take these four items into port, and I guess the sailors didn't know this you know, famous guy was missing. But as soon as they get to port, someone says, oh, this could be Rudolf Diesel. So they call Rudolf Diesel's son over, and he looks at the four items and says, yep, those are my dad's. And so they say case closed. But there's really never a body in evidence, hmm. uh, which is one of the unusual things. Now, the disappearance of Diesel, you know, it, it sort of predates World War One by about nine months. And so while people are still sort of looking after this, pretty soon the war starts, and that just pushes everything off the front page. And and really, as a person, he's forgotten. There are some mysterious things that happen with diesel technology in the war years. And I get into that in the book a little bit. But then in terms of the legacy of that, you know, the engine, what, what Rudolph Diesel wanted to see happen was a diesel engine running on vegetable or nut oil and, and basically make every nation fuel independent. That didn't really happen. The, the petroleum trust kind of won out and co-opted the diesel engine as yet another market for petroleum products so it'd be interesting to see how the century might have played out had diesel been around to kind of steer the ship of that but it, you know even today like if you look at willie nelson for example about 15 years ago he was on his tour bus going around and doing his national tour on a bus with a diesel engine running recycled kitchen grease so the diesel engine to this day is still has that kind of flexibility with regard to fuels well, I'm sorry. In Back to the Future, I thought that was what we were always going to be using in the future. Who knew it was actually literally <laughs> right, like, back to the future to be using garbage and oil to power uh, vehicles, right? Right, right. Banana peels. Yeah. Uh, but, and this is the other point. The last question I want to ask you. The submarine could not have been powered without the diesel engine. The submarine and submarine warfare, as we enter World War One, and then ultimately, of course, World War Two. I mean, there, you, you, right here in Philadelphia, where you're from, where I'm, where I'm broadcasting right now, we had German U-boats up, up and down the Atlantic, Atlantic coast. The, the, the change in warfare by having the ability for submarines to be able to do what they were able to do because of the diesel engine, that cannot be understated here. It, not exactly. I mean, the kerosene and gasoline engines that were the other alternative were useless for submarines. It was like the submarine was a joke with those things. There were constant fires, fumes that would kill the crew, uh, and, and range that could barely get it out of port. Suddenly, with a diesel engine, it has long range. As you say, it can make it all the way off the coast of Long Beach Island, New Jersey, you know, where there are old World War I sub wrecks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it has the range, it has the, the speed, it has the safety, and the, and the, and the maintenance. I mean, it, it, the, the diesel engine, like, never breaks down. So uh, it became a huge, huge implement of war. And there's actually a quote from an admiral after World War II, because, you know, this, this engine has persisted as being the dominant power source. Every vehicle, every, every marine vehicle in D-Day was diesel, 100% of them, and they all worked. And one other thing to note about diesel, it's not just war, of course, it's industry, too. One example I give is imagine a piece of fruit grown in a tropical region, Every piece of heavy machinery or farm equipment used to grow that piece of fruit is diesel-powered. And then the fruit gets loaded onto a truck. All things larger than a passenger vehicle on the roads are diesel. Then it gets loaded by a crane, diesel-powered, onto a cargo ship. 100% of cargo ships around the world, diesel-powered. 
goes across the ocean. It's offloaded onto a truck and onto a train. Throughout the 20th century, all trains, diesel, electric. But really, nothing moves in our global economy without diesel. And it's been that way for more than a century. It's fascinating. I know you consulted with former CIA people, British intelligence, police officers, detectives. Uh, it's, it's a really, really fascinating case. The mysterious case of Rudolf Diesel, genius power and deception on the eve of World War I. You will be tomorrow in person with books available for sale from Main Point Books in Haverford tomorrow. Haverford School, Palmer House, and Main Point Books. It's 450 Lancaster Avenue in Haverford, PA. Uh, Doug Brunt, this is great, man. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I can't wait to finish it, and I really appreciate you coming on, on the show today. Thank you very much. Rich, thanks so much. You're going to love how it ends. I can't wait, uh, but I won't give it away even when I know. <laughs> right, I got you. my money on the Germans. I'm just kidding. All right, Doug, thank you very much, pal. <laughs> appreciate it. Five o'clock happy hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelKMay.com. That's right, and don't forget, we're going to be there live this coming Friday the 13th, so make sure you're there for the live show. 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., all kinds of shenanigans will ensue, obviously, as they always do. So come out and join us this Friday at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, coming up on Friday. Uh, Speaking of ships, by the way, the USS Gerald Ford is on its way over to Israel right now. The USS Gerald Ford, it's a fascinating boat, fascinating ship, obviously, I should say, not just a boat. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about it, according to National Review. The United States Navy has built a ship such as a time for this, they say, 20 years and $13 billion after its conception, the USS Gerald R. Ford, four and a half acres of floating non-skid American sovereignty. It's a purpose built to fight her wars in the 21st century, steaming toward the Eastern Mediterranean in response to the slaughter that Hamas has perpetuated across Israel's southern district. Uh, Now, obviously, I'm... Praying and hoping this does not start World War III. I am not on the Lindsey Graham, let's, you know, let's go to war train. But I wanted you to just know about this because I do think that there's a lot of the deterrence value of believing in America's strength, in my opinion, keeps these wackos from doing what they do. And so that's the reason why we say peace through strength. And it's why Reagan said it. It's why Trump reiterated it. And then you got this, you know, this idiot in the White House who doesn't even know what freaking day it is. But anyway, this this is a this is a really amazing ship. The Navy can immediately answer the call on the other side of the world with six hulls is no accident. It's a feat of logistics and diplomacy never before known. Arrayed around the Gerald R. Ford are the ships and aircraft of the carrier strike group. If submarines, destroyers, cruisers, F-A-18E, F Super Hornets and E-2D Hawkeyes. Behind them are the support vessels of the military Sealift sea Command. This is a logistics outfit that can keep the fighting ships fueled and outfitted for as long as they need. U.S. Central Command issued the following notice today. This is what they said. The United States has begun moving the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group to the Eastern Mediterranean. This includes the U.S. Navy aircraft carrier USS Gerald R. Ford, the Ticonderoga-class guided missile cruiser USS Normandy, as well as the Arleigh Burke class guided missile destroyers USS Thomas 
Hudner, hopefully I'm saying that correct, USS Ramage, USS Carney, and USS Roosevelt. We have also taken steps to to augment U.S. Air Force F-15, F-16, and A-10 fighter aircraft squadrons in the region. The U.S. maintains ready forces globally to further reinforce this posture if required. Before it is the first of its class and in the ship's first real deployment faces a situation that may test everything heralded about the platform's information gathering, defensive and offensive advancements over the aging Nimitz Nimitz class carriers. If everything works as it ought, there's no better ship to send to Israel's aid. They write, if things go wrong for the young ship's systems, the lives of over 4,200 sailors and officers are in the balance. Having started their deployment in May of this year, the ship's company should be as competent as firefighting, watches, and battle stations as they could hope to be. The fort has three times the power output, so that's 600 megawatts from its nuclear reactors, three times that of the Nimitz carriers. For reference, the largest cruise ship in the world, the Wonder of the Seas, with more than twice the tonnage, produces 182 megawatts of power between its generators and propulsion systems. And the Ford produces 600 megawatts from its nuclear reactors. Isn't it interesting that as much as we, we in the United States of America do not embrace nuclear, as we, we should, I've been saying this forever, we should be embracing nuclear, we should make nuclear a priority. We've got this massive ship right now headed to the Middle East being powered by nuclear power. Nuclear reactors. Two nuclear reactors that are going out there right now on this on this ship. And the fact that we're having conversations about electric vehicles in this country, you see how stupid we are. And this is what I mean about the left and their climate change nonsense. Imagine having a boat like this powered by solar panels, really, or wind turbines. Imagine having a boat like this powered to go across the Middle East and having big freaking wind turbines on it. instead of nuclear reactors on board to power it. Well, put some wind turbines, some solar panels. And maybe some guys with some oars while you're at it, too. And be fine. We'll get there in about, instead of a couple uh, days, we'll get there in a couple years. How about that? A couple years. And then, of course, when the wind stops blowing, which happens, believe it or not, even out in the ocean, or if the sun doesn't shine, which also happens, or if the guys get tired that day and can't row, well, the hell with it. You know what I mean? And if they need to, like, escape because enemies are coming or something. And I imagine all the, all the, the planes on board, well, they can all be hang gliders or something. Who needs to have them to be powered by actual fuel? You know what I mean? The idiocy of this. We should be, nuclear power in this country should be priority one. But, but, but besides, I'm not saying in, in place of natural gas, I'm saying besides, and besides it, in addition to, should be new, it should be job number one of the United States of America right now. Instead, we're talking about, you know, cars you got to charge into batteries, or batteries you got to charge up, but still have to use an electric grid, which still requires a power source. And these idiots want to make sure that none of that power source is nuclear, of course. Anyway, rippling with energy, the Ford is equipped with electromagnetic catapults that gave the engineers fits, but are promised to improve launch efficiency, putting 25% more aircraft in the skies compared with the steam units. More birds in the air means more information returning to the command elements and quite possibly more warheads if necessary. Kyle Mizokami explains the radar and weapons systems. 
The Ford will also have the most modern radar systems in the fleet. The Ford will have the new dual-band radar, which combines both the X-band ANSPY-3 Aegis radar and the S-band volume surveillance radar. It's capable of search, track, and multiple missile illumination, detecting enemy aircraft and missiles, and then guiding evolved Sea Sparrow missiles to intercept. For self-guidance, Ford will have two MK-29 missile launchers with eight ESSM each. Those are the evolved Sea Sparrow missiles. And two rolling airframe missile launchers. We'll also have four Phalanx class-in weapon systems for point defense against aircraft, missiles, and small ships. And four uh, M250 caliber machine guns. Ford's generous electrical capacity means that the ship could someday mount laser self-defense weapons powered by the ship's nuclear reactors. Such a system would have a virtually limitless ammunition supply, vastly increasing the ship's defensive capability. The USS Gerald R. Ford was designed to defy missile attacks while launching aircraft that can strike targets hundreds of miles inland. The strike group it sails with has the, the capability to alter the complexion of continents. There is no more deadly force in the world than the one arriving near Israel's shores in the coming hours if it's not there already. The U.S. Navy must succeed here. It finally has the tools, the sailors, and the opportunity to affect a great good in securing the region and warning Israel's neighbors about rash action. However, there is a significant risk. Harm to this capital ship from a mine, a suicide vessel, or a missile would be a tragedy of casualties compounded by the loss of the only vessel of its kind. With the next one still two years from delivery, this result in a genuine threat to current and future American sea power. A bloody next-generation carrier would put the entire 11-ship program in jeopardy. Hezbollah is sitting on a stock of anti-ship missiles. They scored a hit on, uh, off of Lebanon 17 years ago. Their capabilities have evolved significantly since then, thanks to Iran. They also have many types of loitering munitions that have been used against ships. There is obviously no vessel immune to chance, as the Spanish learned in 1588. The English in 1812, the Mongolians in 1281, the success of the attack was owed in part to Israeli and U.S. intelligence failures. What other armaments has Hamas secreted away? Has Iran gifted them armaments to test against U.S. naval forces? What about Russia? What about China? Russia, China, and Iran have reason to desire such an event paired with a modicum of deniability. Our enemies have acted in such a destructive manner that we know they expect and perhaps wish to die. The USS Gerald R. Ford is the ship designed for the task of destroying such an enemy while spoiling their weapons. And this uh, piece concludes by saying, may the men and women aboard the ship make the best form of itself. The most important individual in the coming months could prove to be a 22-year-old electrician's mate second class with a fluke multimeter bringing the catapults back online. Trusting in the ability and bravery of youth has served Israel in the past. We must have faith in it in our time. This was a piece written by Luther Ray Abel over at National Review.
The question, of course, is the United States Navy is not going to be operating here in an uncontested environment if Hezbollah joins the conflict. The carrier strike group is the most defended piece of territory on the planet, but non-state actors with these weapons have been proven to be a threat, obviously. And even targeting of U.S. Navy vessels may not be intended if they look to deny, disrupt naval activities in the eastern Mediterranean. Anti-ship missiles, in many cases, do not work on assured targeting. But obviously, they are very, very concerned that, uh, you know, the bad guys will, will do something here. The good news, though, is that this thing is such a force. If the goal is to not start World War III... Then you put a ship like this out there and you say, peace through strength, look what we can do to you. We can utterly destroy you. And then, then you hope if you hope that cooler heads prevail. Of course, we're not playing with cool heads. We're playing with a bunch of fanatics. Although, let's not forget something, though. You know, Hamas, Hezbollah, these people are fanatics. But as at, at, always at the top of the food chain, much like bin Laden, whether when it was ISIS and Al-Qaeda, they're all rich. They're all rich. I mean, all the uh, the mullahs in Iran, they're all rich. They get rich off selling oil, speaking of oil, and they sell it to China, and they're all very, very wealthy. And as much as they, they want their crazy minions to kill and destroy and behead people and destroy women and children and set them on fire and drag Jews into the streets and kill them and everything else, the people at the top don't want to get blown off the face of the earth. Because they 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 like they like the money. They like the palaces. They like the women. They they don't want to wait to go to uh, you know, uh, to get their 79 virgins. They want them now. You know what I mean? So they're not stupid either. They're not stupid. And they, they understand the, the, the force that's going to be unleashed upon them if they don't cut the crap. They also already know that you've got people already banging the drums of war. So that's why when I say peace through strength, that becomes the only deterrence, deterrence you, could, you could use here. Uh, 855-839-1210 is the number if you would like to weigh in today. I'll tell you, though, we're excited about Friday. We're going to have a lot of fun on Friday. And if you join us at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, you're going to meet some interesting people. We've got some great guests coming. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be in, per- in person Friday at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. <laughs> that is not true. Uh <laughs> Okay. But Cheryl will be there. Cheryl's going to be there. Everybody's beating up poor Cheryl on Twitter, so she'll come by. I like Cheryl. She was great in uh, Curb. Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's Damn only, right. Yeah, that's the only thing I even know her from. Yeah, same. Yeah, what is it? Cheryl Hines, right? Is that her name? Yeah. She's been in other stuff, too, I think. To- totally. Yeah, that's but that's her famous known. role yeah. as Larry David's ex-wife. Correct. And then wife and then ex-wife. I guess they kept, they kept moving things around, right? Right. Ted Danson kept getting in the way. <laughs> Ted Danson. <laughs> well, maybe she'll stop by. It'll be great to see. What the hell? Dom had, um, what's his face there? Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer, yeah. We can get Cheryl. Invite her to the broadcast. Let's do it. <laughs> I've been trying to get uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, on the show, but I'm not having much luck. He's too cool for school, yeah, huh? Is they, that what it is? They did invite us to the big announcement, but neither one of us attended. Wow. <laughs> it was nice of them to invite us. It was. But if you want to make lifetime memories, you should join us on Friday at my happy place, the beautiful Oceanfront Grand Hotel in Cape May, New Jersey. You may be thinking summer's over, but listen, trust me, Cape May is just absolutely fabulous in the fall. It's beautiful, perfect weather. We're strolling the beautiful white sand beaches, taking in the crisp ocean breezes, shopping at one of Cape May's boutique stores on the famous Washington Street Village. 
Now is the time to book your fabulous fall midweek getaway today and save 10% off all rack rates. Use my name, Zioli, and save 15% just when you call the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. And you can also get resort credits as well. They have all kinds of different specials for you, and it's valid from October 1st through December 21st. Book direct with them to get the best rates. Use my name, Zioli, today. Call 800-257-8550, 800-257-8550, or visit grandhotelcapemay.com. And we'll see you Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to enjoy ourselves, and we always love when we can have good camaraderie. And the Grand Hotel of Cape May, beautiful rooms, suites, townhomes, a wonderful place for you and your family to visit. Hey, look, you know, I think we got the teacher's convention coming up. A lot of people go to Disney Disney World for that, but you could take the kids to the Grand Hotel. They have a beautiful indoor heated pool, Hemingway's restaurant right on site. And there's all kinds of fun things to do, and the weather's great. You don't have to even get on an airplane. So GrandHotelCapeMay.com, GrandHotelCapeMay.com, and we'll see you this coming Friday the 13th at my happy place. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, so uh, the latest uh, of what's happening right now is obviously uh, the president of the United States came out and spoke today and uh, as usual, you know, read something off a teleprompter and, you know, that's uh, he doesn't have any comprehension of what's going on. There, there's no leadership that's happening at all. Uh, there isn't. I mean, let's be honest. And so at this moment in time right now, when we are having the conversation about an election coming up, you think to yourself, when the American people see what's going on around the world. Nobody has an appetite for World War Three. And yet it seems like there are bad guys around the world taking advantage of every opportunity to just tick us off because they're not afraid. And see, that's the thing. That's that's why peace through strength works, because people don't want to really get blown up. That's really kind of a fundamental. I'm not talking about the whack jobs, the lunatics and the people at the top of the food chain. Remember, those people at the top of the food chain, they're the ones that, that want to survive. They send their people out to do their bidding. 
and they and if they know that the United States is not going to tolerate this crap, then they tend to to back down. Well, if they think the United States of America is going to do whatever the hell is going to do nothing, well, then they, they they see how far they can go. They're like children in that in that sense. Re- Representative Rashida Tlaib blames Israel for the Hamas attack in her never-ending life of grievances. Also, Ilan Omar blaming Israel for what happened at Harvard. They had Harvard students uh, who blamed Israel for the attacks. You have Black Lives Matter out there right now standing with Palestine, as they say right now. You have um, Hamas sharing photos of slain Israeli grandmother uh, on her Facebook page. Rashida Tlaib breaks her silence on Israel and blames the apartheid system for what happened here. She's a Palestinian-American. She's a member of the leftist squad in the House, broke her silence on the Hamas militant group's attack on Israel from Gaza with a statement placing fault on what she called an apartheid system backed by the United States. She said, I grieve the Palestinian and Israeli lives lost yesterday, today, and every day. I am determined as ever to fight for a just future where everyone can live in peace without fear and with true freedom, equal rights, and human dignity, she said. But the path to the future must include lifting the blockade, ending the occupation, and dismantling the apartheid system that creates these suffocating, dehumanizing conditions that lead to resistance. The failure to recognize the violent reality of living under siege, occupation, and apartheid makes no one safer, she said. See, what this does is it justifies the attacks by Hamas, as opposed to, and as opposed to having conversations regarding how you improve conditions in the Middle East, peace in the Middle East, and we've been talking about our entire freaking lives, right? What this does is it says, well, look, you know, they kind of had it coming, right? Kind of had it coming. These are brave freedom fighters out there fighting against apartheid. That's what the, that's really what the, the subtext of this is, and you know that, and you've heard this a lot from what people in the media have said, justifying this, justifying this stuff. Now, I played you the, the what... The crowd at the Sydney Opera House chanting, gas the Jews, F the Jews. I played you the people in Philadelphia, proud of what occurred, scenes from inside Philadelphia's pro-Hamas rally. They're proud of what happened. They're happy about what happened. And then, of course, you have this still ongoing question of whether or not the $6 billion is going to actually be given to Iran. Hamas is using social media to broadcast brutality. These videos are everywhere. I mean, videos of them executing people, videos of them dragging people off, videos of them. It's it's hard to watch. This is so infuriating. And you understand the savagery of people around the world, what they're capable of, I mean, what people are capable of, what people are, are the things that they will do. And it's barbaric. I mean, it is. It's barbaric. Now. Benjamin Netanyahu is not going to let this stand. There's no way he's going to let this stand. And my sense of it is Iran is not stupid enough to get into World War III here because it's not going to end well for them. It's not going to end well for anybody. But what we do need to have is an adult conversation about the fact that Iran funds Hamas. I think you'd have to be an idiot to think that they don't. And again, I think it's a balance. I think it's what Senator Rand Paul said. Let's get all the evidence. Let's figure everything out before we start bombing countries like Lindsey Graham says. Let's first have the conversation about Iran. Can we have that conversation? We can't even do that. The president today didn't even mention them. And when you ask, and I played you the White House press briefing today from whatever his name is, 
when you they they will they will not even question whether or not the six million dollars six billion dollars going to Iran is something that should continue. They won't have a conversation about it. Now, the secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, was on Meet the Press over the weekend with Kristen Welker and was asked a question. So if if this money that we've unfrozen for Iran, their money, they said was going to be used for humanitarian things. But we also said this money's fungible. And then at the very same time, says Iran has used funds on supporting terrorism. The question I have to ask you is, what the hell is the policy of the United States of America here? Are we saying that Iran supports terrorism? Because that's what the Secretary of State said. Are we saying that they don't support terrorism with this money? Because why would they support terrorism with $6 billion, even though we just said that that's what they do? Cut number nine. What do you say about the argument that money is fungible? So Iran may have known this money is coming and used other funds to help fund this attack that happened. Iran has, ha, Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism, on supporting groups like, uh, like Hamas. Uh, and it's done that when there have been sanctions. It's done that when there haven't been sanctions. And it's always prioritized that. And again, I come back to the proposition that from these funds have always been under the law, available to Iran to use for humanitarian purposes. All right. So if let me just let's just focus on that point right now. Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism. All right. So then I got to ask the obvious question then. Why are we going to give them six billion dollars? Why? Given what just happened here, we, you just you just had the secretary of state of the United States of America. See, I feel like we go to extremes all the time. It's either like we bomb Iran or we give them six billion dollars. How about we just don't give them money? How about we understand the fact that Iran is behind this? We know we you just said it. You're the secretary of state. You just came out and said Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism. Then in the next breath, you go, but we but we're going to we're still going to give them the money because we have no evidence that Iran's behind this. You just said they that they use their money for this. That's literally what you just said. You just said play play. play excuse me, Matt, please play it one more time now. This is the, again, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, cut number nine. What do you say about the argument that money is fungible? So Iran may have known this money is coming and used other funds to help fund this attack that happened. Iran has, ha, Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism, on supporting groups like, uh, like Hamas. Uh, and it's done that when there have been sanctions. It's done that when there haven't been sanctions. And it's always prioritized that. And again, I come back to the proposition that from these funds have always been under the law, available to Iran to use for humanitarian purposes. Oh, well, hey, yeah, yeah. It's like this. The argument is like, hey, you know what? They're going to use the money for anything they want. So uh, what the hell? Give it to them anyway. Hey, they might buy uh, booze with it. They might, you know, go on a trip. Yeah, they might fund terrorism. Hey, well, they do what they want. See, this is what I cannot understand. You're saying here that Iran funds terrorism. Hamas just attacked Israel and this massive terror attack is going on right now. And at the very same time, you're saying, well, but we haven't seen any evidence that Iran's behind this. Okay, but you just said that they fund terrorism. So what so what is it? What does this administration understand? Do they understand anything? Is there a doctrine here at play? Is there anything at play here? Is there any common sense? Do they even talk to each other? Do they even coordinate what their messages are? I mean, here's Kirby. I played this earlier, but it's worth playing again. Cut five. 
The United States believe that Iran was behind this attack. The Wall Street Journal says it was. Yeah. Um, can you confirm that for us? Iran says I'm not it was. able to confirm that the specific reporting. Martha, we're obviously going to look at this very, very hard. We have been. We just haven't seen any evidence or intelligence, as you and I are speaking right now, that points to direct Iranian participation uh, in these attacks. That's so why does the Wall Street Journal have that and the White House doesn't? I, I, look, I'm not going to speak about intelligence matters and, uh, and, and what we're collecting here uh, on national TV. That said, though, Martha, make no mistake, and we've been very honest about this, Iran, of course, is complicit in these attacks because of its longstanding support to Hamas and other terrorist networks in the region. That's why we have got more than 400 sanctions against them. That's why we beefed up our presence not only in the uh, Gulf area, but now in the eastern Mediterranean. I, I just, I, 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 have, I have no, I, they have no idea. They have no idea what the hell they're doing. They really don't. And I think a big part of this is, I really believe a big part of this is motivated by the hate Israel caucus of the Democrat Party, which is a lot of them. So again, I have to ask the question, to Jews in America who vote Democrat, why the hell do you vote for these people knowing that this is the party of Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the others? Why would you do that? It, I mean, these people are blatant anti-Semites. They, they, they're deep down inside, very happy that Israel's under attack. And yet American Jews keep voting for Democrats. This is the party. Uh, why would you do this? It makes no sense. You're also voting for a party right now that has absolutely no foreign policy doctrine whatsoever. The only thing that we can say that this administration is doing right at this moment is sending over the USS Gerald Ford. And that's it. Beyond that, I have no idea what the hell we're doing. We don't know what we're doing, and we keep giving mixed messages throughout the world. It makes absolutely no sense. Listen, NJ Diet's going to help you lose 40 pounds, 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days' time with NJ Diet. All you got to do is just go to NJDiet.com. NJDiet.com and lose the weight for good. 855-5-NJ-DIET. 855-5-NJ-DIET. This is what you will be able to achieve with NJ Diet. Real weight loss, no shots, no hormones, none of that nonsense. Just absolute real weight loss for you in 40 days time. And just as everybody's bulking up with the Halloween candy and with the holidays coming, you'll be looking and feeling your absolute best. So do it today. 855-5NJ-DIET or njdiet.com. There are locations close by. In King of Prussia, Newark, Delaware, and Cherry Hill, we're live online with video consultations at njdiet.com. You'll lose the weight. Just as everybody's putting on the pounds, you'll be looking and feeling great. njdiet.com is contractually guaranteed weight loss. You get the doctor's personal email, the doctor's personal phone number. They are with you every step of the way. No shots, no hormones, no surgery, none of that stuff. Just real weight loss that is customized for you and your body specifically to your biochemistry. NJDiet.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. By the way, Matt DeSantis, executive producer, is it me or when I say that I'm hearing all these different uh, idiotic things said about Iran, am I, am I missing something here? What do you mean? When I say, like, one guy says Iran funds terrorism, and the next guy goes, 
Yeah, we don't think Iran has anything to do with this. It's back and forth. Like, what what is the administration's policy right now? Did you did you hear it? I have no idea what it is. I mean, you pulled these cuts. It's all over the place. I mean, like Iran is pretty much regarded as the leading state sponsor of terrorism. So, would it be a shock to anyone if they were backing Hamas right after they got their hands on this six billion dollars? Or they even haven't got it yet? But it's like you know it's but coming. Fungible, yeah. That yeah, argument, you know it's coming. I know payday's having... Friday. I'm going to be at the strip club on Thursday. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) By the way, that's a theoretical. I'm not saying I will be there. Obviously, we're going to Cape May, you know, instead. But (laughs) yeah, the point. I love how they keep going. Well, they haven't got the money yet. As if they're broke. As if they're like like some trailer camp or something. They're one of the richest countries because of the oil, so they have the money. It's not a matter of they're they're in the Stone Age and now we're giving them money and now they can use it for terrorism. That's the point. But why does the set? So why then does the U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken go on TV and say that Iran sadly uses their money all kinds of different things for terrorism? But oh, but by the way, but they're going to use the six billion for uh, they can use it for whatever they want. See, I, this is the disconnect I'm not getting here. And didn't they also say that they would be willing to refreeze that money if they thought Iran yes. wasn't using it responsibly? Right. What else do you have to do in order to have that money uh, pulled back at this point? Like, what are you waiting for if you're the Biden administration? They're, they're and, still not commenting on that either. And what American is going to object to it, aside from, you know, the well, all weird, the whack jobs yeah, I just weirdos, named like, in there. I, th- yeah. I think Ilhan that's Omar. why. I think that's why they're, you know, flip-flopping all over the place is they don't want to upset anybody in their, no matter their position on the matter. In, their, in the Wacko Caucus? Yeah. I think you're right. The Wacko Caucus is so small. I know. I don't understand why you would go out of your way to what, try to appease like that group. like six people. All we yeah. do in this country is cater to, you know, the very few, right? Yes. Am I wrong? No, you're 100% right. We cater to the loudest nutbags. It doesn't matter if there's a lot of them. They just have to be loud. Yeah. Loud and say it as many times as, as it takes to get it in people's heads. Yeah. And then we go, oh, okay, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Oh, okay, you're uh, little uh, stuck-up kids at Harvard. You, you're siding with Hamas? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, and, we don't want to offend you. And with freezing the money, I think they have enough, you know, like, egg on their face where I don't, I don't think it's worth it for them to do it at this point. It's First just, of all— It's just another bad PR thing for them. Yes, correct, right, exactly. At this point— if you if if this administration transfers that six billion dollars over now at this point, then they are the biggest idiots of all time. I don't know how anybody could think that's a good. Just leaving aside everything else, how politically stupid would that be? I, I think it's stupid either way. Agree. You pledged it, and they did what they did. You know, yesterday or Sunday, and you know, if you take it back, then you you look you look dumb either way. You look dumb either way, and I think, in my opinion. Political stupidity would be going, hey, well, there's no evidence you did it, right? Here's six bill. Go ahead. Get yourself something nice. After all this. <laughs> it's like doubling down on the stupidity. Yeah. It's like literally saying, you know what? We just, we don't really give a damn anymore. We're not even trying. We're not even trying to look like we know what we're doing. That would be, if they allow this money to go through at this moment in time, then that will be, that will go down, in my opinion, as one of the dumbest political moves in the history of of this modern time, which we've seen a lot of very dumb political moves going on. Uh, anyway, uh, 855-839-1210. All right, we'll have a lot more conversations to say on this in the 6 o'clock hour, obviously. I'll give you the updates. I'll tell you what the president said earlier today. I can just tell you this. It was nonsense. 
And he didn't even mention Iran in his remarks today. And I'll also tell you what's going on with the planet, because now they have the most unlivable places on Earth. Because you always got to be afraid of climate change, obviously, all the time. But first, I want to tell you about my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Great guy, great friend of the show, the master of dental implants. He is the one I want you to reach out to for your smile. Two offices to serve you, Cinnaminson and Woodbury, right over the bridge. Dr. Mike has one of the most respected reputations among his peers as a master of dental implants. Delivering results that surpass expectations has made him a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years. And patients travel from all over for his expertise in dental implants. Florida, the Carolinas, California, and you know my entire family trust Dr. Venaria. We all go to see him. And he has a veterans breakfast and shredding event coming up on Saturday, November 11th, 2023 at a Cinnaminson office on Riverton Road. It's actually on Veterans Day this year, so mark your calendar to come out and celebrate with us and thank our veterans. Dr. Mike Venaria is a great dentist. Go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A. I get asked all the time, Rich, is he really your dentist? Yes, he is. He's my dentist, and he's also my friend, and he's the master of dental implants. So if you need a guy for a new smile, he's your guy, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.